a special day in that we get a chance to start a new series of messages. The new series of messages have to do with relationships. And I want us to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us to receive. And I'm going to ask that Delane Braunschweig would just lead us as we pray for God's Word to be received in our hearts today. Delane? As I said, we're beginning a new series of messages today entitled The DNA of Relationships. And I think I, I don't really have to tell anybody about uh, the importance of relationships, but sometimes we really need to see what God's Word says about this. And so over the next uh, four weeks, we'll be talking about that. So I'll give you a little bit of advance uh, of what you can expect in future weeks in just a moment. But first of all, uh, just today's message, the subtitle for today's message is, Life is about relationships. Life is about relationships. Now that really should go without saying, unless you live on a isolated island or, uh, or live in a cave somewhere uh, and isolate yourself from reality, you're fully aware that every facet of your life touches a relationship in some way. Am I right? You cannot go through a day without connecting some way with relationships. Everything that we do, everywhere we go, we are in relationships with other people. We all have different kinds of relationships. We have relationships at home. We have relationships with our spouse. We have relationships uh, with our coworkers. We have relationships with our classmates if we're in school. We have relationships with our siblings. We have relationships with our, our parents and, and extended family. The truth of the matter is, though, that sometimes those relationships are life-giving, and sometimes they're a struggle. Am I right? The truth of the matter is that we are affected regularly by our relationships. But we may be affected positively or we may be affected negatively. The good news is God has a plan and he has an instruction manual because he created us and he created us to be in relationship. He's got an instruction manual that gives us very specific guidelines about how to live in relationship. And so we want to explore what some of those instructions and guidelines are biblically. Today, we're really laying a good foundation today. We're going to talk in general terms about relationships today, but let me give you a little bit of preview of coming attractions, all right? So over the next few weeks, first of all, I'm talking today about life as relationships. Next week, we're going to talk about the characteristics of true friends. I mean true friends in the biblical sense of the word. And then on the third week, we're going to talk about dealing with difficult people. Now, I know there's no difficult people in this church, but... <laughs> beyond, maybe somewhere else in life, you might run into some high maintenance relationships. And so we're going to talk about how to deal with difficult people and how to manage high maintenance relationships. We're going to talk about that on the third week. And then the final, the fourth week is going to be on improving our communications for interpersonal relationships. I think most of you know the importance of communications in any kind of relationship. So that's what's upcoming. But what about today? Life is all about relationships. And today I want to leave you with four facts. Are you ready for these? All right. I love people take notes, by the way. Yeah. Take notes. And by the way, if, if you're not on the receiving end, but you would like to receive notes on Saturday uh, before Sunday, of, of at least you'll receive the notes that are on these slides. Uh, you can receive those in advance, and all you need to do is, is give us your email address and your name, and we'll make sure that you have that. So I want to share with you today four facts about relationships. Number one, number one, very simple, straightforward, but it is true. We are 
created by God for relationships. Amen? That's the way he's created us. Our very DNA. What is our DNA? DNA is the very building block of our bodies, our makeup, physically, emotionally. It dictates everything about who we are and what we do. Did you know that we have a built-in DNA that every human being has as a need to be with people? Some of you immediately say, I don't need anybody else. Not me. Maybe other people, but not me. I don't need anybody else. That's not true. Because it's by design. God has designed us to need other people. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. We'll use the marriage relationship. And by the way, just so you know, because some people said, oh, I guess we're having a marriage series. This is not a marriage series. Highly applicable to marriage, but it is not a marriage series. It's about all kinds of interpersonal relationships. But in the case of marriage, I think we learn a lot by going back to the origins of marriage in Scripture. Genesis chapter 2, the Bible tells us that, that God created, that uh, here we have Adam, and Adam, God saw Adam, and he said, it's not good that you'd be what? Alone. alone. Just think about that. It is not good for you to be alone. By the way, it's not good for any of us here to be alone. God said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. You need someone that is suitable for you. And he looked out across all the animals, said, gorilla? No. Squirrel? No. Armadillo? Not so good. So he decided to do what? To make Woman, to create woman. Why? What was the reason? Everybody's excited. About it. Yeah. Uh, why? Why did God make woman? Because it's not good to be alone. Why? God saw Adam, his creation. He knew Adam needed relationships. And God gave him, supernaturally, he created woman out of his ribs. Now, the truth of the matter is we all need relationships. When those relationships are good, when they are healthy, when they are growing, nurturing, positive relationships, how many of you have noticed that life in general is pretty good? You notice that? If life stinks, some of you are like, amen. If life stinks, if life is really like, man, it's just really been a struggle lately, then many times when life goes sour, it's traceable back to something with relationships. When, when, when relationships are strained, it affects life in many adverse ways. And we could list what some of those are, but I think all of you understand. So here's my point. Since God has created us to need relationships, he has also given to us guidance in the scripture about what those relationships should look like. And we're talking about all different kinds of relationships, and we'll look at what some of those key relationships are today. So number one, everybody say it together. We are created for relationships. Turn to the person on the side of you and say, I need you. I know you don't even know them yet, but anyway, you need them. All right. Number two, the second fact about relationships that you need to get down. Number two, our DNA, in other words, the way God has wired us, our DNA includes three non-negotiable, vital relationships. Notice I said non-negotiable. This is true for every single one of us. 
Let's look at the main scripture that I want you to look at, and we'll use this as just to really expand what our understanding is of how God has hardwired us. Jesus' command to us is what? Love the Lord your God, taken, of course, from the Old Testament, but Jesus quotes it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, for this is the first and greatest commandment. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And he goes on to say that he has something he wanted to add to it. And what is the addition? And to you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Notice that there are three kinds of relationships that Jesus emphasizes in that. There is a researcher out of UCLA, a neuroscientist, uh, a developmental psychologist, and this is what Dr. Alan Shore said. I thought it was good enough to just write down and repeat to you. He said, all humans are born to form attachments. Our brains are physically, physically, physiologically wired to develop in tandem with others, th- through others, through emotional communication, even before actual words are spoken. Our sense of right and wrong originates largely even from our biological primed need to connect with others. You, God has hardwired you. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, right now, and the annex that we're, that we're building next door is being hardwired. There's things that are in the wall. We're not going to rely on, uh, on Wi-Fi for everything in that building. There's some things that are just going to be in the wall. We're going to hardwire it. We're installing it now. It's behind the walls. You may not see it, but it's hardwired. Did you know that God has hardwired you from creation? It's not a spiritual gift that he comes along later in life and says, Okay, Nick, Debbie, I'm going to bless you with this gift of the, the need to, ha- to have a marriage with one another. No, no, you're wired that way. You're created that way physiologically, psychologically. In every way, we need others. Amen? In other words, relationships are tantamount to our spiritual, physical, and emotional growth. Relationships are the key. Now, there are three hardwired relationships that all of us need to make note of, and I just want to touch on them. It's not great revelation. You'll be like, okay, I know this, but let's just think about it. Three hardwired relationships. Number one, we all need a relationship with God. First and foremost, our relationship with God is the most vital, the most important of all relationships. Someone say amen to that. God is our creator. He has created us to need Him. He creates us to have a need for Him. You look at Adam and Eve in the garden. They needed pre-sin, pre-Adamic fall. Adam and Eve needed a relationship with their Creator. After sin came into the world, now we have a huge vacuum. Now we've got a problem to overcome that we needed Jesus to come and help remedy, right? And that greatly affects sin, affects relationships on all levels. We know that. But even pre-fall, 
Adam and Eve were created and you and I are created to need God. Some people say, well, God and I, we had a falling out a few years ago. I don't have a relationship with him. Uh, I really don't need it. Uh, I don't believe in God. I don't need God. The fact of the matter is we all need him, whether we know it or not. I know a lot of people that are just walking around choosing to be confused, choosing to be deceived. They are living in denial about the way that God has hardwired them. The fact is we all need him. I love this great scripture in Acts 17, 27. It's a fantastic scripture. It deserves great uh, in-depth probing, but we'll just mention it today. In Acts 17, verse 27, the scripture says this. Paul, Paul is preaching. He says this. In him, in him, we live. In God, our relationship with God. In him, we live and move and have our being. Think about that. It's describing all the facets of life, emotionally, physically, psychologically, uh, uh, socially. In every single aspect of life, we need God. In him, Paul declared, we live, we move, we have our being. By the way, this is when he's speaking to a bunch of pagans. And he's letting them know, those idols aren't going to do you any good. Those idols that you're worshiping aren't going to do you any good. You need a relationship with the real creator, God himself. Now, furthermore, we all have a relationship with God. We need to have a relationship with God, whether we realize it or not, because we're created in his image. We are created to be spiritual beings. Spiritual beings. So whether we know it or not, Our spirit, our inner man, our soul yearns to be with God. Some of you may be in a place in your personal life where you haven't really walked out of relationship with God in many, many years. The fact of the matter is you need it. You need it. It fits with the way that God has created you. You know, a lot of people will uh, buy a particular. I remember there was one time I was needing to rent uh, a car uh, for some travel I was doing. And uh, they're out of most of the vehicles. And so they gave me, uh, they said, all we have is this. So I was alone, and they gave me this huge truck that was made for all kinds of activity and all kinds of needs. And I'm like, look, I, you know, I just need to go from point A to point B. You know, I just need to be able to get to this meeting on time and get over here. I really don't need that truck. Sorry, that's all we have. So I was driving around this huge truck, wasting a lot of gas in the process. Nick, you would have loved it. But anyway, I didn't need that. You know, I'm going to just give me a little compact. I'm just fine. So here I'm driving around that big truck. It's made for hauling, you know, large tonnage of stuff. And I'm driving, I feel the whole week like I'm just like not you know, I'm not making the most of what I'm driving. You know, I mean, I just wanted to go, you know, find a mud pit or something. I don't know, but, uh, I didn't, but I just went from hotel to conference and conference to church and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, the truth of the matter is God has created you for something that some of you may just not be taking advantage of. He's created us to be spiritually vital, spiritually alive, but also spiritually vital. And it only comes with our relationship with him. There's something more. There is a hole. There is a vacuum in your life. There there is this that that we all are born with, and only God can fill that 
whole. How many of you have found already that his relationship with you can fill and satisfy that whole? How many of you found that? If you could raise your hand, we're going to make sure that you get a chance to do that today. Number two, we need a relationship with others. Number one, we need a relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love God. That's the, that's the vertical relationship. But then he introduces two horizontal relationships. Tells us that we need relationships with other people. Now, I find a lot of people are also in denial about this. In the Garden of Eden, Adam had a special relationship with God. And it was great. I mean, it was great communion. But God, even in spite of his walk, intimate walk with God, God said, what? It's not good for you to be alone. He needed an other relationship. He had the vertical relationship. He needed a horizontal relationship. Why? Because he was psychologically pathetic? No. Because he was somehow just a weird dude? No. He needed it because God created him to need other relationships. God said, it's not good for you to be alone. So I'm going to give you a companion. Now, this companion, this other relationship, by the way, can come in many different forms. It may be a spouse in the case of Adam or in our lives. There are many other relationships that can that fit into this other horizontal category. Could be your wife, can be your husband, can be even your relationship with your children. It can be a relationship with friends, interpersonal relationships with others. Maybe a relationship with coworkers. It can be a relationship with neighbors. And by the way, all of these relationships, and a lot of people get confused about this, they're not all at the same level. All your relationships, your other relationships, do not need to be equal and equivalent. In fact, there's no way that they're going to be equivalent. What I mean is equivalent in terms of the time it takes, the, the, the amount of investment it takes. Uh, in some relationships, obviously marriage and fam immediately fam family, those are priority. But there are other relationships. You can have a healthy relationship with someone that you just see in passing at work. You can have that kind of relationship. Jesus demonstrated levels of relationship in the way that he lived. Yeah, even Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, had different levels of relationship. He had a level of relationship with the masses, didn't he? With the multitudes. <clears throat> they may, you know, how many of you have said, oh, I know that person. You don't know him. You've seen him on TV, but you don't know him. I mean, come on, you don't know that person. But then there's other relationships. It takes, it, it's more personal. It's more intimate. Jesus had a relationship with the masses, the multitudes, who heard him preach, who heard him teach, who saw him do miracles. They had a relationship. But then he also had a relationship with smaller circles of people, all the way to 120 people who showed up on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Those 120, I guarantee you, had a more intimate relationship with Jesus than the multitudes did who sat on the hillside. Am I right? And then we know that there were 70 that were sent out, that Jesus sent out as his disciples. And then we know that there was an even closer-knit group of 12, right? And inside the 12, even Jesus had three best buddies. And even out of the three, David, right? He had one who leaned on his breast, showing great intimacy between Jesus and John. What's my point? A lot of people stress themselves out thinking, I've got to have 
the same kind of idea. And they, and they struggle and they fill their calendars with so much stuff because they're trying to maintain equivalent relationships with every acquaintance. It's not possible. And don't put that on yourself. Let God lead you. Let him give you wisdom as to relationships to build. And we'll talk more about this next week. But I just want to set you free if somehow you're imposing on yourself this idea that they're all the same. They are now. The Bible talks to us a lot about relationships. In Acts chapter 2, we're told that the early church, this profile, this beautiful portrait we have of how the early church functioned, Just listen to a moment. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship. The word is koinonia. It means the communion, the sharing, and the exchange of life together. Younger generation today just uh, say, we just do life. What does it mean just to do life? Doing life means koinonia. That's biblical. And it goes on to emphasize. It goes on to tell us other things that they did. And then verse 44, it says, and all the believers were together. Why? God made you to be together. Whether it be in a fellowship of believers, and listen, even in a church, even in a small church as we have, you're not going to have the same level of intimacy with everybody in the church. Come on. I don't have any expectation of myself to have the same level of intimacy and relationship with everybody. Sometimes they're frustrating things. People come to a church, and regardless of the size, and they have an expectation. Oh, I want to be the pastor's best friend. Well, <clears throat> my dance card's full, all right? But uh, I have plenty of friends. I love all of them. But I just learned a long time ago. I just set myself free. I'm like, Hallelujah. We just let God do this. Just let God. And you'll know. You'll know when there's chemistry. You'll know when God's saying, you know, develop a rapport and a relationship with this person. So we all need that. That's the picture of a healthy church. It's a picture of a healthy marriage. It's a picture of a healthy life. So first of all is what? We're hardwired for a relationship with God. Number two, we're hardwired for a relationship with others. And number three, you are hardwired by God for a relationship with yourself. Do you know this is the area that most people struggle with? Before they struggle with having good relationships, healthy relationships outside of themselves, usually there's a problem in here. But we need a relationship with ourselves. We're to love our neighbor how? As yourself. A lot of Christians, I know, they they read this and they kind of tilt their head and they go, what? I'm supposed to love myself? Yes. You're supposed to have a healthy sense of relationship with yourself. And if you hate yourself, you despise yourself, I've got news for you. You will notice that in the relationship with other people. And other people won't want to be around you much. And you will not be able to have a healthy relationship even with God because you have a problem within. So self-identity, self-security, not based upon your good looks, based on the fact that God loves you unconditionally and he has provided Jesus to pay for your sins and he's made you a new creation, based upon that, you can love yourself. That doesn't mean you like everything you do. That doesn't mean that you, you approve of the fact when you fall into temptation. But you can still have a healthy relationship with yourself. We're hardwired for all three kinds of relationships. All three, the third point I want to give you, the third fact, is that all three of these have an interrelationship. They're all connected. We 
must understand how our relationship with God and others and ourselves are interrelated. Jesus goes on in the 40th verse of Matthew 22, and he said this. He said after he gave the first and second greatest commandments, he stressed, the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Do you see how important that is? To have all three of those properly lined up. In other words, all of God's teaching, all of his wisdom is summed up in the relationship we have with the Heavenly Father, with others, and with ourselves. When one relationship suffers, they all suffer. When someone, have you ever wondered why people are so socially dysfunctional sometimes? Sometimes I know it's, it's physiological. Sometimes I know it's due to all kinds of life trauma and all. But, but the reason sometimes people are dysfunctional in one area of relationship is because the others are so out of whack. Amen. I think our problem today is that we deal from the outside in. <clears throat> we treat people, we try to treat people with their external symptoms, and we go to this specialist, and we have this, and then they send us to this specialist, it really gets bad, then, then they send you to a, a psychiatrist, and then if the psychiatrist can't solve your problem after you spend a lot of money and about four years of therapy, they, and then they finally, I've actually heard therapists who aren't Christians say, you know, maybe this is a spiritual problem. Duh. <laughs> it took me four years and, you know, $40,000, to, to find out this is a spiritual problem? Listen, let me just save you the money and time, all right? Start on the inside. Work your way out from there. Begin with your relationship with God. Get it right. Deepen it. Invest in it. You'll never lack if you invest in your walk with God. These are all interrelated. Why? God creates us as a holistic person. It's all related. He doesn't just separate and say, okay, here is your social life with us over here and over here is your spiritual life we're we're complex beings but we're systemic we're we're all all these things are interrelated and so when one suffers they all suffer and guess what when one gets healthy the others could improve as well so when we feel good about ourselves affects the way we relate to others and even with god so we all three of these are interrelated last point i want to give you today Relationships are worth the investment. I hear a lot of people question this. <clears throat> I was blessed um, early in my ministry calling. What year did I do this? In 1973-74, I lived in just uh, in a small village outside of Belfast, Northern Ireland. Now, I was a young man. So I'm over there experiencing all kinds of stuff never experienced before. And one of the things I discovered in the time that I lived in Northern Ireland, then I lived in London for a, a good while, uh, while living there, I discovered how central the pub was to social life in those countries. Now, you got to understand, I grew up a good Southern Baptist boy, so I never had stepped a foot in a bar, Gary. All right, so, I mean, I had no bar background. Right. I know some of you have bar backgrounds, all right, but, I, I, you know, I just had a religious background. All right, so anyway, mine was worse than yours. Anyway, uh, but whenever I was in England, I'm like, wow, everything revolves around the pub. Everything was that way. Where are you going? I'm going to go hang out at the pub after work. And I thought at first it was just, you know, it was just a place to get drunk. 
you know, granted, there were plenty who got drunk there, but, but that's what I thought it was. But after time, I learned. The pub, and in many times, bars and clubs here in America, even today. Let me, let me read to you what I wrote. The neighborhood pub is possibly the best counterfeit that there is to true fellowship and relationships that Christ wants to give us in the body of Christ. It actually becomes an imitation. Dispensing liquor instead of grace. Escape rather than reality. But it is a permissive, gracious, accepting, and inclusive fellowship of people. It's authentic. Usually people there are unshockable. Where Christians go, they're unshockable. You know, you can tell people secrets, and most of the time they won't even tell others, don't even want to. What happens in the pub? Stays in the pub. The bar flourishes, not because most people are just alcoholics, but because God put something into the human heart with a desire to know and to be known to love and to be loved. And many are seeking a counterfeit and having some measure of fulfillment in their life at the price of a few beers. I'm not advising y'all to go to the bar this week. What I am telling you is that's a counterfeit for the real thing. And the real thing is right here. And the body of believers that God gathers together. We are his ecclesia. He calls us out and calls us together. It is the community shared among fellow believers. That's where those things really should be offered. If the world knew that there was love, unconditional love, that there was forgiving grace, that there was an opportunity just to share and be real and be authentic, if most people knew that that was available in a church I have a feeling we'd be run over with people. Am I right? That's why. That's what people are desperate for. They just don't know where to get it. They think that they can only get it on the golf course, or they can only get it in the bar, or they can only get it in wherever they may choose. The point is, I believe that we are missing it when we do not create, enjoy, and perpetuate a deep level of community and healthy relationships among the body of believers. Can someone say amen? amen. Maybe there's no better example than the television sitcom, and I know, you know, it's old. But uh, there was, most of you at least heard of the television sitcom. I don't know that I ever watched uh, uh, it at all. But I do remember the song. There was a song for the sitcom Cheers. And the setting for Cheers was where? In a bar. Exactly. Well, y'all must have watched it a bunch. Eh? Can I just read you the lyrics of the theme song? I'm not singing it. Yeah, no, no, you really, you don't want it. Here it goes. Sometimes you want to go where everyone knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Isn't it sad that that was written about a bar and not a church? 
Ecclesiastes, I close with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We'll read the whole verses next week. But it simply says, this is talking about relationships. The wise writer starts off by saying this. Two are better than one. And then he begins to unpack why. And he tells us, basically, in short, he's saying, relationship with others are worth the investment. What does it cost? Cost a decision. It costs time. It costs the willingness to leave a comfort zone. It costs you being willing to be authentic and real rather than wearing your fake Christian mask that says, praise the Lord, every time someone says, how are you doing? It will cost you some honesty. It will cost you some transparency. It will cost you a willingness to sacrifice some things that are all about you in an effort to build healthy relationships. Healthy relationships require effort. And I included here the adjective intentional effort, not accidental. You don't, you don't just fall into good koinonia. You don't just kind of drift casually, complacently into vital relationships with other people. It takes an intentional decision. And it affects everything about you. It affects how you spend your time, how you book your calendar, how you spend your money. It affects everything. I'm here simply to challenge you today that there's a lot about relationships we need to know about and grow. And I've offered to you today four facts that hopefully will help guide us as we study and dig together, learning more of God's way to have the right kind of relationships. Would you stand with me in prayer? I'm going to ask that our prayer teams would come forward, please. I said that there's three hardwired relationships. One of them is your relationship with God. For a moment with your eyes closed, heads bowed, I just want to ask you for an honest moment between you and God. If you realize that your relationship with God, your walk with Him, is inadequate, insufficient, dysfunctional, or non-existent. You would like prayer this morning. I want you right now just to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I see a hand. I see hands there. Hand back there. Anyone else? Anyone else? You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you. And I encourage you who raise your hands after I pray, I'd like to invite you to come and let one of these prayer teams pray specifically with you to where they can really hear your heart more and pray more specifically with you. But it all begins there, doesn't it? How many of you would honestly say this morning that all the rest of us are inclusive? How many of you say, the area that I struggle with mainly is the relationship with myself. It's, it's, it's how I feel and think about myself. It's all internal. I need healing in that area. Would you just raise your hand? All across. We're going to pray for that. See hands all over. Chance down. How many of you say, I need God to help me create and bond and build 
better relationships with other people. Maybe it has to do with the husband. Maybe it has to do with your children. Maybe it has to do with workers, co-workers. Or maybe it's just friends at church. If you need that, if you need help in that area, would you just lift your hand up? We'll just include you in that prayer. Yes. It's important to respond to God. Amen. You can put your hands down. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful today that we can come and we can lay it all before you. Lord, I pray that beginning today, you would begin to transform our relationships. First of all, Lord, those who admit today and those maybe who were too shy to admit that they have a deep spiritual need, I pray, Holy Spirit, you come, convict them, but comfort them and draw them to yourself. We pray, Lord, that they would have a breakthrough moment today in a relationship with you. Father, we pray for those who recognize that the issue is with a relationship within, on the inside of them, with themselves, the struggles, the insecurity, the inferiority, the, the things on the inside of them that bind them and that cause them to close and shut down. We just pray for healing, Lord, in that area. Lord, we also pray for those of us that need help in other horizontal relationships with other people, regardless of what arena. Lord, where there's division, where there's hurt, where there's disappointment, where there are people who said, I'll never do that again, we pray for healing today. We pray, Father, for the courage, and Lord, that you would instruct us on how to develop healthy biblical friendships that will last and be meaningful and will feed other areas of our life as well. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that the word has come and it will not return void. We thank you that's going to be stirring our hearts all week, Lord, as we prepare for next week's message, what it really means to walk in true friendship and how we can invest in that. Pray your blessings, Lord, upon each of us as we ponder, receive, and respond in Jesus' name. Patricia, would you come and just say a blessing over us as we leave today? Indeed, the blessing of the Lord that makes us rich and add no sorrow will be magnified this week regarding relationships. I challenge some and encourage others to expect a visitation from God this week. I mean, expect it. Not just hope, not just casually, but look for it. Look for him to visit you in an unusual way to show himself mighty. And I declare that he'll meet you right where your expectation is. Be blessed as you exit this morning.